championed this area of our church for, for years and uh, love their heart towards this. It's an incredible thing. I want to encourage young people should take it. Um, I mean, it should, you should absolutely take it um, and, and get invested with it. And uh, those are the things that are very, very important as we learn stewardship. And like I said last week, uh, here, here's the key. When's the last time that we have taken up an offering at church? You can't remember. There's an offering basket in the back. You give online and those type of things. Again, you've just seen where our budget this coming year is $750,000. $750, and we don't have to beg for money. Hello, somebody. And this is because people have learned what it means, right, to honor God and be a good steward. Uh, and so this is one of our tools, just one of our tools, to help you in your stewardship life and being invested not only in your own life but in the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, I love Ramsey. What can you do? And you don't owe anything, anything you want to. So uh, there are some people that definitely need to take this that never do. And uh, we hear from them all along. But this is one of those things that turns you into uh, someone who can be a giver. Amen? And that's what, listen, there is nothing more greater than like, all right, today, uh, Tara Smith's going to be out back, and she, you know, there's going to be some people to talk to her. And, and definitely there's some people in the church that just go, I, I don't have $35 to give to, I want to. That's not condemnation, that's saying this is why FPU is important, right? Like, she, uh, she's already got 120 she ought to walk out of here with another 120 You know, it'll just be that way. So giving, right, you are never more like God than when you give. Your, the favorite scripture, for God so loved the world that he... And so uh, this, is the, this is a characteristic of the kingdom. Now, this is not a prosperity church. I don't, don't believe in that message. Amen. Uh, but I do believe that obedience to God in every area of our life brings with it the anointed, blessed hand of the Lord. And uh, finances are no... Um, different in that area. So I just wanted to push out a little $56,000 in 22 months. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. <clears throat> Amen. All right, now that we've celebrated, let's turn to the Word of God. And, and, and st- Now, I want you to understand Rosa Chupp, uh, uh, had, she had no idea what scripture I was coming from today. And uh, there are some prophetic voices in our church that our leadership team trusts. Uh, we encourage you that if God has given you a word or something to come up front and share with us. Uh, after some 20-some years of walking with Miss Rosa and every person in this church probably getting a prophetic word from her. Amen. Uh, me included several times. And they hadn't always been nice words to me. She gives you guys all the nice words. She came up during worship and she said, I, I feel like the Lord. I said, I don't even need to hear it. So, God is already speaking to us. And to be honest with you, the scripture that I'm going to read this morning, if you're visiting with us, you know that you don't know that we're in our renewing our vision. We always do that in January. And the scripture that I'm coming out of today, uh, I, I want to go through the churches in Revelation and express to those, the, the church that I'm going to highlight today is, is not necessarily one of those churches that you would want highlighted when you're looking for an encouraging word. Don't judge the word before you understand it. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis, everybody say Sardis. Sardis. 
Oh, boy. Right. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. But you're dead. Wake up. Did you hear Rosa's word? And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. We pray today, God, that as we press into the word that you speak to us. Keep our minds from being distracted. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Here we are. Come on, let's get to work. I, I want to share with you something that I think is very powerful in this place today, especially as God is, is speaking to us about renewing our vision and who we are as a ministry and what God has laid out for us and how we continue to push into it. I understand that year after year after year, some of those things, how, how many of you know that sometimes you just get about doing something and it, you know it's what you're supposed to do, uh, but in doing that, sometimes it just becomes random. And it's the norm. And after a while, what was amazing, what was new, what was fresh, now has become the norm. And it, and it can seem a little mundane and boring. But I believe that the Lord is trying to get our attention. Somebody say amen. I said the Lord's trying to get our attention. And, and, and many of you know what I'm talking about because you've been feeling a stirring in your spirit. And, and you know exactly what it is. You, you just, you're not, you're not, put your finger on it. You're like, I don't know, but there's a stirring. That, I just know it's time to begin to press in. And I've talked to people in the community. I'm talking to everyone uh, around about, and, and I continue to hear this, that like, there's just this pressing. There's this pressing uh, to, pre- you know, to move, to press in, to do, to get involved, to, to find something um, of value and attach our lives to it. I'm hearing this, and I just believe that in this season, especially like where we're at, where the world is at, that God is looking for kingdom people. Kingdom people. Can I say this to us, and I want to begin to say this, and I love that over the years, the Campbells, again, are going to be here at the end of January. They're always here with us, you know, January through March, and I love the fact that our church begins to host and supply the idea of the apostolic gift sitting among us. And I love that David and Elaine come with no agenda. They're just here. Uh, and, and David's been an incredible mentor in our life. But let me tell you something about David and Elaine Campbell. They have been this church's, this ministry's greatest cheerleaders for 20 plus years. And so them to be with us for a few months every year. Them to just come from Canada and just be with us for a few months. It's incredible. But early on, when I was so younger and, and, and full of zeal about, about church and, the, and everything that was going on, I remember something David shared with me. He said, Don, I need you to always remember, we're not building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God always is. It always has been. 
The kingdom of God is, and the kingdom of God always will be. We're not building the kingdom. We're building the church. Why? Because the church is the point at which the kingdom of God invades planet earth. The church is the vehicle that God uses to let your kingdom come. And so when we start talking about church and, and the local things, I, I'll continue to say I was raised in church. I didn't get saved until I was 20 years old. And, and I just thank God for a church that loved us. A little church that loved my family and I. We were a mess. But the local church invested in us, prayed with us. The pastor loved us and, 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 and he cared for us and, and discipled us and gave us opportunity inside the church, allowed us to grow in giftings, encouraged those giftings, corrected us when we were wrong. Hello, somebody. I'm so thankful for the local church. Some 25 years of leading local church. It's my passion. I love the local church. It's the greatest change agent in any community. Or at least it has the potential to be. But the truth of the matter is that if you look at most local churches, most local churches are, are built around surviving the Sunday morning experience. Just getting to the Sunday morning experience. Trying to stir people up enough to just get them out of bed on Sunday morning. And get to church. And it's a struggle. and We're, we're just surviving the Sunday. And, and God has spoke to my heart that he wants to build a church that's not just surviving but thriving. And we've been on that journey for all these years. And even now God is not done. Everybody say he's not done. He's not done building the church, not just Firm Foundation Ministries, but all the churches that will heed this stirring of His Spirit. I think God is on a desperate hunt for kingdom-minded people. And if you're a kingdom-minded person, you have to be. You have to be a local church-minded person. How can we love Jesus and not love what He loves? He loves the church. The proof is on the wall behind me. He died for it. Now you can enter into spiritual semantics with me if you want to. About the church not being a building or here there. But it's the whole body of Christ and but I want you to understand that your whole body has individual members. And if you get up in the middle of the night and you stump your toe in the darkness and all of a sudden that toe is the most important member of that body. So don't talk to me about subverting local just to get to translocal. Listen, when we do local well, then we'll talk about translocal. So what does God do to get our attention? How does he do that when, when, when he's pushing us into vision and purpose? Well, in Hebrews chapter 1, it's incredible. It says he spoke to us in the law and through the prophets. But in these latter days, everybody say right now. 
he had spoken to us by a son. Mm. So revelation, it's incredible. It introduces us to the idea of God using alarm bells to wake us up. So when we start to take Sardis, we can go, if you're just a, a casual Bible student, you can go, oh, this might not be a very good message. There's a letter written to Sardis. Let me say this. There are times when God has to use something dramatic to get our attention. A fire alarm. Come on. Sometimes it takes a real disaster before people wake, wake up and realize, like it or not, you've got to act. A fire alarm's not like the bedside alarm <laughs> where you can just hit snooze or you can turn it off. Like, a fire alarm keeps going until the fire department shows up and puts it out. Uh, like, we've had it in here for the life of me. I don't understand why the fire alarms are at the right at the eye level of a six-year-old <laughs> at the church. Walk around here, look at it. It's right at their eye level. And it says... How many times have we been in church service and all of a sudden the fire alarms go off? Why? Because a, a six or seven-year-old has walked up to a box and it said what? Oh. Okay. <laughs> and everybody in the church, I promise you it'll run you out of here. And then the kid's all upset and the parents are all worried and everybody's freaking out. I'm like, no, he just did what? He can read now? I have no idea. Has that ever happened at school, Aaron? You mean high schoolers would actually maybe pull the fire alarm to not have to take a test? Is that, if y'all do that and I get blamed? When a fire alarm goes off, no one ignores it. It's not possible. And so the Lord says to Sardis, I know your works. You have a name of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Everybody say, wake up. And strengthen what remains. Oh, this is so good. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. Sometimes the Lord has to do something so dramatic to wake us up to the fact that we are near death. My phone like your phone. And it's probably right next to your bed. So at night, when it goes off, it's right there. You can get to it. Let me just tell you something. If my phone rings after 9 o'clock at night, it ain't never good. Ask my wife. It's going off, and I, and I would just walk over and go, Lord, give me wisdom. Right? Because it's, that's what happens. And I can't ignore it. It's there. It's, it's going on because this is what's happened. Pastor, I'm in trouble. Pastor, I need help. Pastor, something's gone wrong. Pastor's there. This is guy. See, alarm bells are never good news, but you don't have any choice. You have to respond.
There are wake-up calls in everybody's life. Fire alarms, they only happen when things have spun out of control. Come on. And we need to correct it right away. When a fire alarm goes off, it's out of control. It needs to be corrected right away. You can't stand around and have a committee meeting about what to do with a fire alarm. You can't put together a team. You can't make a decision. You can't pray about it. There ain't no fasting over a fire alarm. Come on, somebody. So the Lord says to Sardis, you got a name of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. You know what I hear when I hear that? Especially for us as individuals and as a congregation. This is, we need to pay attention to what's happening in our life. The, spirit, uh, the physical is always a reflection of the spiritual. And so what is happening? What is going on? Like, what is, what, how do I need? And I've got to respond because some things cannot be ignored. It's a fire alarm. It cannot be ignored. You guys have heard me tell the story of, of, of uh, you know, in Florida. And, of course, I spent a, a, a great number of years with uh, a Winn-Dixie grocery store. And, and I ran meat departments for them. I helped open up new stores and, um, you know... Um, Everything that happened inside of there. So I, I was a butcher for 20 years. And, and when I moved to Michigan, I hadn't cut meat in, I don't know, 10 years. Because I, I've been running meat departments. And, and uh, down on Panama City Beach in Florida was the last one that I ran for Winn-Dixie there. And it was an amazing. I had like 13 meat cutters. Hello, somebody. Like this place was jamming every day. Listen, nothing is better than to be able to cut a two and a half inch T-bone steak. Throw it in the case and wait for all of those people to come off the beach in the afternoon. Because they're going to buy it. They've been participating in um, stuff that makes them happy. And they got money. And so I would just, man, every afternoon I'd throw those T-bones out there. and Man, we're going to make some money. I love doing it and, and those type of things. And I remember one night I had a guy cancel on me who was supposed to be my cleanup guy. And I didn't have anybody to come in and fill out. And so I had paperwork and some other stuff to do. So I thought, no big deal. I asked my wife. I said, I'll just clean up. I'll, I'll be the cleanup guy tonight. And so it takes a couple hours to break down a meat department and clean it and put it back together. And So anyway, I was there. And I thought I'd do one more run down the meat case to make sure everything was full for the evening before I broke down saws and grinders and those type of things. And as I'm standing out there, there's only three people on the back aisle of this huge grocery store. Two guys and me. And one guy pulls the gun out and shoots the other one right there. We're in the middle of a grocery store. Now, it's a meat department. I'm used to blood. But it's supposed to stay in the cutting room. Not all over the floor. And I realized at this moment that I was the only person in the building who knew what happened. And people began to file out of that store like I'm telling you. Like it's something out of a movie. People just began to run and, 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 and uh, you know, lay down on the floor, all those things. And, and here's this guy who's just been shot, holding himself, and he's, he's just bleeding. 
And so I, I run over to him and I grab him and the gunman, I don't know what happened to him uh, right away, but he, he, he just disappeared for a minute. And I grab this guy and we start walking to the front of the store. We get up to the front of the store, cashiers are under the registers and moms are huggled over grocery buggies with their babies in it and, and people are trying to leave. And, and I look for the store manager and the office is up front, up high. He ain't nowhere to be found. He's on the floor with 911. And this guy said, hey, I just, I, wanna, I just want to call my wife. And I'm like, man, I don't know who you are. I don't know your wife. And, and I'm like, we need to sit down. We need to sit down. He's like, no, I just want to leave. And I'm like, man, you are bleeding bad. And, and so we start walking to the front of the door. And he, his knees buckle. And bu- he's a big guy like Rod. And I can't hold him up. And so down on the floor we went. And, and I remember looking him in the eye. And this, this guy's dying. And I said to him, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And he said, I do not. And I said, and now is the time to give your life to him because you are about to meet him. Whether you like it or not. And I said, do you want to give your heart and life to Jesus? Make him your Savior and make your home in heaven. Let him forgive you of your sins and wash you as clean. Amen. Cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And he is looking there. And we're both just covered in his blood. And, and, and he said, yes. And I remember praying with him. Pray with me. Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. I receive your son, Jesus. And I remember we, we, we said that, and we said amen, and, and a, a young lady who went to church with us, she was a cashier that night, and she screamed my name. And I turned around and looked at this guy, and there's the gunman. He has showed back up, and he's pointing the gun right at my head. And I remember thinking, here I come, Jesus. Me and my brother don't even know his name. We're about to come. And I remember this guy looking at me and saying, hey, you want me to shoot him again next time I shoot him in the head? And, and I remember just raising my hand, and I, I, I'm a little Pentecostal boy, so I just prayed in the spirit for a minute. Don't let that offend you. But you, you, get, you, you get spirit-filled in times like this. And I remember looking him in the eye and just saying, in the name of Jesus, we just want you to leave. And he poked the gun in his pocket and drove himself straight to the police department. The ambulance showed up, and, and they took this gentleman, and uh, he had, uh, like, some lots of feet of his intestines had to be removed, and, and he got better. And I remember he would travel around to schools and talk to share his testimony. Um, years after that, why do I tell you that story? Can you imagine where his attention was? As we fell to the ground, he didn't want to talk about the weather. He wanted to deal with ultimate things. He wanted to deal with the eternal. He wanted to deal with where he was right there. There was a fire alarm. Hello, somebody. Somebody's dying. It speaks in no uncertain terms. Urgency. Respond now. I wonder if a fire alarm's ringing in your life. Right now, this year, the stirring you're feeling. Husbands and wives. Children and parents. Families. Families. 
communities. I wonder if a fire alarm is ringing right now in our lives, in the churches. I wonder if a fire alarm is ringing. It's something that we can't ignore any longer. Eli came up during worship. He said, God reminded me. He reminded me that he gave me a promise that my dad was not going to die as he lay in a coma over COVID in the hospital. Even when the doctors said he's not going to live, he's not going to live. And and some 50 days like that. And and Eli said, I kept telling my family, God has given us a promise. Dad's not going to die. God has given us a promise. But he said, I also remember that I had to go after that promise in my prayer. I had to go after that promise by faith. I had to believe what God had spoken to me. You see, you got to go after God's promise. And it's no different for us as a church. The ultimate goal, church, is not to fill every seat here. Praise God. But God has given us vision. And, and there are alarm bells that are ringing. And maybe there's a life issue in your life that's ringing. Something that's plagued you for years. Something that you cannot get past. You cannot get past. But you also cannot tell me that God hasn't also given you promises over that plague. Yes, he has. But you got to go after that. God is looking for kingdom-minded people. And kingdom-minded people are people who partner with God in what God is doing not only in their life, but on planet Earth. Maybe there's a habit you know is destructive. People are at the altar today saying, God, you're stirring me over this habit. Maybe there's a temptation that you've just been worked. Come on, somebody. Every now and then we realize that this thing that God is stirring us about, that if we don't deal with it, it's going to kill us emotionally and spiritually. Most of the time we're like Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. I'll think about it tomorrow. What? Kingdom-minded people cannot process life that way. If, if, you, if you have not noticed, the, the world has lost its mind. And they're calling it Sanity. I need to tell this church right now that a moment will come it will sound an alarm bell interrupting everything. And in your own life and in my life it may come as a rooster crowing so Peter can hear it. Oh, come on. In our, in our lives, it may come as Nathan, the prophet to David, announcing, you're the man. In, in our life, the alarm may come as something as simple as Samson's haircut. But one way or another, God is ringing an alarm bell loud, and it's crashing, and it's getting the attention of the church because the church has been drifting. The body of Christ has been drifting. We've been resting on our promise that one day Jesus will come back, and he will. But we're resting on the promise that he'll come back and doing nothing in the meantime. We're not pressing in. In our life, we wonder how come our life doesn't have any value because we haven't attached it to anything that gives it value. 
Wake up. Wake up and strengthen what remains. That's the word of the Lord to us. Sometimes God uses something different. Like an alarm clock on your bed mantle. Hello, somebody. Let me tell you something about daily routines. Most of us live our lives day after day just plodding carelessly along. And then we wonder how we wake up one day and find ourselves in over $100,000 worth of debt that doesn't bring our life any value. As a matter of fact, all it does is rob us. How did I get here? Have you, ever, have you ever woke up one day and just went, how did I get here? I have no idea how I even got here. I, people sit in my office all the time and say, Pastor Don, I don't know how I got here. You ever done that? Come on, we've all been there. I have no idea how I got here. Young people are, are in that place in their life right now. That's why there's such an identity crisis in our young people. No idea how I got here or where here even is. God is waking us up to, to the fact that he wants to deal with the routine. Every day I use an alarm clock to get up. Come on, I get up at 5 o'clock. Mix up my pre-workout. 5.30 I'm out the door, go to the gym. Unless it's on Saturday when I text Bo and just go, nah, I'm not going to make it today. Then I hear from Jeremy Smith and John Yoder. Oh, you gave us a hard time about sitting in the corner and not doing it. At least we even show up to the gym. Like, yeah, I deserve that. I deserved that, okay? I deserve that. We have a hard time keeping on, keeping on, don't we? Come on, church. Come on, come on. Why do you think we do a marriage sermon series every year? Come on. It's a hard time keeping on. God has a way of ringing the daily alarm to help us remember to do what we've been assigned to do. Why do we come to church? Why do we want to belong to a community of faith? Coming to church, coming to church doesn't guarantee your spot in heaven. It doesn't. The, the Lord himself said on that day there'll be some people that say, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I, 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 don't, I never knew you. Billy Graham would make a statement. He would say 70% of the church isn't saved. You see, we want to attach our things to selves to get benefit instead of surrendering ourselves to purpose and vision so that our life means something. God sets off little reminders. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Some of you, you coordinate your coffee pot to start brewing 15 minutes before you get up because you know that the alarm clock isn't enough to wake you up. But when you open your eyes and you smell that coffee, you're just like, you, your nose gets you out of bed. Oh, yeah. I know, I, I know you coffee drinkers. I know you coffee drinkers. See, see, I'm right. You can't even go to sleep at night if you didn't set the... Alarm on the coffee. I know, I know. We 
we discover that what we're doing is not meaningless. Can I say that what Firm Foundation Ministries is doing is not meaningless? When we talk about missions, when we talk about church planting, when we talk about investing and discipling young people, when we talk about investing our lives into the next generation so that they can go wide open, how many of you know, I want you to understand that's not meaningless. The Lord says to Sardis, I have not found your works perfect. Some of your translations may say that. The ESV says complete. I like that word. I like the way that's translated because that's good. He said the word perfect actually means complete. I have not found your works complete. I have not found your works complete. Hello, somebody. Listen to what God is saying to Sardis. Listen, if your life is anything like mine, you got... Maybe your life's not like mine. But if it is anything like mine, you, you're surrounded by a lot of unfinished business. I can go into every room in my house and see projects I started but haven't finished. Stop. Stop it right now. Look at her. Look at her. Y'all see her show. Look at this. <laughs> oh. Shelves I bought lumber for that aren't built. An attic that's clustered with Christmas decorations that assault me every time I try to go up there. Good intentions all over the place. But you know, at the end of the day, the road paved with good intentions leads to what? Destruction. God finds our spiritual work not complete. Now, don't let this discourage you. I want, you. I want this church to let this message encourage us. We still got stuff to do. But we also know that even in our personal spiritual work, we were, we were going to pray with more purpose and a few d- tough days into it. Well, we, that... Hello, somebody. We're going to study our Bible more diligently, and we got lost somewhere in Leviticus. We're going to go to the prayer meeting, but we got a phone call right before. We, hello, somebody. We're going to take that discipleship course. We were going to share Christ with our neighbor. Come on, somebody. We, we, but we didn't finish. We didn't stay with the everyday task that was so important. What happened? We forgot. We forgot. We forgot who we were. We forgot our identity. We forgot our values. We forgot what really it, it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Day in and day out. Season in and season out. When it's popular, when it's not popular. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and I'm happy for it. All of a sudden, prayer is popular in the NFL. You know what I think? If the NFL was serious, if they're serious about prayer, you know what I think they do? Tomorrow morning, the NFL commissioner should stand up and announce that Tim Tebow is the chaplain of the NFL. If it's important, how about we put somebody in who prays? They ain't going to do that. Because, see, prayer's always important when a fire alarm's going off. Yeah. 
And I'm not belittling a man who got injured. We should pray for him. And I'm excited that the whole world gets to see that people will return to something that they left beside when they realized uh, we don't have any power. We don't have anything else we can do but pray. But see, I want to pray when it ain't popular. That's what I want to do. I want to lay down on the altar when it ain't popular. Come on, somebody. This is what happens when our lives are not connected. We forget who, who we are and what matters to us. And see, when our lives are connected to a vision, that gives our lives the ability to struggle with meaningness. When we're not connected, we're not connected to meaningful aspect and purpose. Can I say this too? Is vision is what gives your life value. Seek first the kingdom. Jesus, he knew that vision is what would give our lives purpose. And therefore, he says to us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these will be added. But see, we're trying to seek all these things and add to them so that we get comfortable enough to then seek the kingdom. If the kingdom of God comes to the earth through the church, can you see how important it is for you to be connected to the church, committed to a local body spiritually, physically, and financially? Absolutely. Listen, I need you to understand something. We've got a lot of vision, and we've got a lot of plans. And listen, we're not going to get it done by raising the price of Pastor Don's sermons. Some of y'all get that later. That's how the rest of the world does it. God is looking for some kingdom people whose lives make church full and alive. And I'm sorry, you, you can't make church full and alive at home watching. You can, you, when you're at home, you see, in this room, like Rosa, this morning, God gave her a prophetic word, and, and we know it goes right along with what I'm going to say. She said the exact, she didn't know what I was preaching. She didn't have my notes, all those things. That can't happen through live stream. You can't, you got to be in the room to feel, to see someone come in with some heaviness on them to say, let me pray for you. Let me, the Bible says, hey, come to church with a song in your heart, a word in your heart, encouragement in your life. Do those things that are necessary to bring life to your corporate meeting together. But so much of church has been, let's come here because maybe we'll survive. Listen, God wants to pour his spirit out on us so that we get healed, delivered, and set free. So that when we come together like this and our worship is full of that same life it flows out from us then into the community the reason so much of the modern day church is like Sardis is it's unfinished we look at what we've done and we rest on our accomplishments but resting on the past doesn't help us finish Let me say this to this church. We have done so much more than I ever thought and dreamed of. But we aren't finished. We can't afford to forget who we are. We got to press into vision. 
Because God's still got a future for us and for his church. And I say, God, help us to remember by putting little alarm clocks in our lives. God, help us to remember just who we are and what we are all about. Win the lost. Equip the saved. And send the equipped. Young adults, who you would think would be the most forward-looking people. They often get caught in the same trap, though. Like, you go to college, I'm just going to hello somebody. Because someone told you you needed a degree. Then you spend all that time and all that money, and you get your degree, and then afterwards you find out nobody wants to pay you for your degree. And I, and I think that just because you're young and you graduate high school doesn't mean you have to go to college. It does not. It does mean you need to do something. And it probably starts with putting down those video games, getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth and your hair. That's a good start. That's a good start. I'm not against college. We started one. This May, we're going to graduate 35 people with an associate's degree. Come on. I'm not against college. My daughter has an English degree. She graduated college. You know what she started doing? Fixing computers. Because she could type faster than you could talk. They didn't hire her because she knew how to fix computers. They hired her because she had spent so much time typing that you could stand behind her and talk and she could type. They were like, she's like, I got an English degree. We don't care about that. You can type. We're going to take our people have computers that are broken. They're going to call you and you're going to type blazing fast and figure it out and fix it for them. They were paying her more money to do that than she could make with her English degree. Hello, somebody. All those years, <laughs> Pastor Don suffered <laughs> worrying about my little baby daughter on a college campus with all of those predator boys. <laughs> Listen, I, I love Jesus and I want everybody to go to heaven, but man, some of those college boys looked at that girl and I wanted them to go heaven sooner than some of the other ones. Hello, yeah, you need to meet Jesus now, leave her alone. Then she met Brian. And I remember her mom and her mom and her inviting me to dinner. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. My daughter and my mommy invite, uh, and my wife inviting me to dinner on my birthday. All the way to Pensacola, Florida. Get over there, find a restaurant. It's my birthday. We're going to go to a hockey game afterwards, right? It's so good. This is great. It was a trap. (laughs) Set me up. Midway through dinner, I hear about this guy. I didn't know him, never met him. I just instantly wanted to kill him. But I'm a Christian. Young people, it might actually be a good thing if you got turned down for a few jobs. It might make you wake up and figure who you are. 
Wake up and smell the coffee. That's what they need to do. God has a word for us as a church, young and old. Come on. Our church has unfinished tasks, things we have to take to the next level. See, when I see this word to Sardis, I'm not worried. I'm not apprehensive about it all. God says, hey, your your work's not perfect. He says, you're not complete. That means you're not done. I got stuff more for you. You think you've done some stuff. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what I hear God saying to us. I believe God's ringing some alarm bells about the way we do church. And he's calling us to be faithful and diligent. God's calling us to pay attention to who we really are. To remember who we are and what life's all about. We need to be diligent about doing church day by day, week after week. Absolutely. And to you parents, let me tell you something. Nothing is more powerful than the seeds you plant in your young people's life of faith by taking them to the house of worship. Nothing is more powerful than them seeing you worship. You wonder why our kids stay in during worship? Is that, I mean, that aggravates some people. And there's some people who literally don't come to this church because we have our kids stay in during worship. Listen, if they don't see you responding to God, how do they know how to respond to God? They don't see us coming to the altar. How do they know how to come to the altar? But when they see us worship, when they see us responding, they instantly realize that it's okay to get near to a living God. Listen, there's times for crying kids to be taken out of the sanctuary. Sure there are. Come on. And that's okay. But I say this, and I've said this forever. Kids don't bother me in church. They don't. Noisy kids don't bother me. They're the genera- They're our legacy. They're our future. They just don't bother me. I think kids walk up to me all the time. Pastor Don, I have to pick them up and turn them around, look at their name tag, who you belong to. Right? Like... <laughs> But you know what blesses my heart? They know me. And nothing is more powerful than when a kid calls you by name with their arms wide open. My wife and I tried to go on a date Friday night and and we went somewhere and and, and we were hoping that, okay, uh, no shout anything, okay? The church is busy and there are some times when, hey, we just want to be alone. I'm trying to live out the marriage sermon series. So we went to dinner, and we sat down, and they brought our food, and we start eating and all those things. And all of a sudden, my wife looked at me, and she's like, I'm surprised you haven't seen somebody we know yet. Hey, maybe. And just after she said that, I'll have you know, a little bitty girl walked by our table. Little bitty. And her head snapped around, and she said, hi, Pastor Don. And it blessed my heart. Young people, it was Riley. And I was like, oh, look at you. She came, she greeted us. She told us about her day. She told us what she was doing and why she was there and everything that was happening. And she loved to share her life with us in that moment. Little Riley, who was so, she, you know, Riley, she's just kind of, yeah. And it was just, to me, it was such a blessing. Kids don't bother me. Bless you, parents. Hello. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't raised in church, but I know there was a lot of things in my life growing up that dad just didn't give me an option. Do you know my parents never asked me what I wanted for dinner? 
What do you want to eat? They called us for dinner time. We showed up and we ate what was on the table. Imagine that. This. My dad was going somewhere and I was with him for the day. He didn't ask me if I wanted to go along. Get in the car. I, I don't understand why young people have so many options. God has a word for us. You know what that word is? Wake up. Let me tell you why. You're not done. You're not done. You're not finished. I still got stuff to do. I need you to strengthen what remains. Do you know what that means? That means strengthen. That means build. What, come on, somebody. Strengthen what remains. Find the weak spots and strengthen it. Find what needs work on and strengthen it. Find the areas that have holes and strengthen it. God says strengthen what remains. See, God's calling us to pay attention to who we are. God says to FFM, your work is not complete. You've not finished our outreach. Listen to me. We have not We have not finished our outreach to this community. We have not even begun really to touch the areas of outreach to this community. We, 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 we've said that we are sending missionaries, but we've not even begun to call missionaries and resources and people to the missions in any sweeping way. You know what I love this morning? We, I, I put Cammie's picture up on the wall out there because she's in Egypt now. Sydney's in, in Guatemala, right? And we've got all that string out there drawn to all the people across the world that we're, 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 we're connected to across the world. People we have sent here and there and they're there and they're doing a work. And so this week, I, 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 Amy Gosho is home. She's not in Africa anymore. She's home. So I took her picture off the wall. And I put it in their mailbox. And she came up to me with her picture this morning. She's like, hey, what's this all about? I was like, well, I, I didn't want to lose your picture. She's like, no, 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 no. I don't care about the picture. Why I get take off the wall? I said, because you're home. She said, no, 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 no. You don't know what I experienced in Africa while I was serving the Lord. That picture needs to stay back up on that wall. I haven't put it back yet, but just leave it there. We'll stick it back up there, Amy. I promise you. There's a little bit of the redhead of her mom shining out there. Young people who said, I'm going. It happens to us all, all the time. But we haven't begun. We haven't begun to ask people in this church yet, who's our next church plant? Are you financially ready to be sent out personally? Come on. We, we're there, right? We, we've said we're compassionate, but we're not wrapped our arms around the lost or the least or the, or, or the lonely or anything, but in small, teeny kind of ways. That's an alarm clock reminded us we're not finished. FFM, God is saying to us, wake up and smell the coffee. Do church, do it well, do it completely. God has seen our works and they're not complete yet. That's what he's saying to us. Now I got to confess to you and I'm going to close. I got to confess to you this. I'm really not interested in fire alarms or alarm clocks. 
I, I, I'm like you, I'm not interested in that rude interruption. No one enjoys that. Come on, you're in a deep sleep and the alarm clock goes off in the morning, right? That's when you wish you had a hammer. I, I, was, I was on a hunting trip in Montana. And I left my Apple Watch because you know, I can't charge it out there. We're out in the, hello somebody. These guys have got me in the frozen tundra and I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to stay warm. The time to charge a phone. But I forgot to turn off all my alarms. So every morning at 5 o'clock, 445, huh? My alarms are going off on the bed, and she, and I get this text. <laughs> I'm going to kill you when you get home, so make sure you survive, right? Like, I get home, I couldn't find my Apple Watch. I was like, what happened to my watch? And she's like, I threw that thing in a drawer because I didn't know how to turn it off. Let me confess to you, I'm not interested in rude interruptions just like you aren't. The alarm bell that intrigues me the most is the one you can't hear. It comes from within. It's not, it's not imposed on us from outside. You can only feel it when you see it. And see, many of you know what I'm talking about. Like I started this sermon, there's a stirring in your spirit and you're just like, I don't... What is this? i got to do something. What is this? There's something that just prompts me to get out and get going. They say, nothing's ringing. There's no bells. It's just that inner voice of the Lord speaking to me. I'm interested in that. Listen, there are times when I go to bed on Saturday night, and I, I'm not satisfied with the sermon. I don't think I'm ever satisfied with the sermon. Saturday night, I'll go to bed, man, and I'll just feel like, ah, but I'm so tired, I go to bed, I just hope, well, maybe I'll fix it in the morning. I get up at 5, like I always do, get some tea and sit down and, and, and just review and go back over some things and pray for a minute. And I just, but do, 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 do you know what happens all night long? Do you think I sleep? Come on. No. I don't, I don't sleep at all. I don't get any rest. You know why? Because when I go to bed without everything ready... Invariably, I wake up all night long processing unfinished business. When there's something more to be done, my mind won't leave me alone until I have to deal with it. And maybe that's not all bad. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Hey, we're not done. And maybe the Holy Spirit just does that until I respond. All I know is the most effective alarm bell, the most persistent wake-up call is the one for men. Come on. It's that voice that says there's more for you to do. It pulls at our heartstrings and says, let's get busy with kingdom things. So it's no surprise, really, when the Lord says to the believers at Sardis, if you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief. And you're not going to know the hour. You see, if we back off from kingdom work now, I don't believe the Lord's going to let us rest. And this has nothing to do with salvation. This has everything to do with purpose and vision. 
Does that have anything to do with Eli's word and Rosa's word? Go after the promise of God. Go after the, wake up and go after the promise of God. As the worship team gets set, let me say this to us. I want you to hear me with your good ears and a receptive heart. Here's my prayer. Lord, give us in this church men and women who are restless for the kingdom. Believers who have an inner drive to do whatever they can to further the kingdom. My prayer is not to populate the pews. I thank God the house is full. And the ushers come and say, hey, Pastor Don, the parking lot's full. Where are we going to park people? I'm like, brothers, all the problems I got to deal with, that's one I ain't upset about. Take their keys, send them in, and park their vehicle in the field, and go get it for them after church. Come on. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we could present to you a budget like we did this past year. I'm excited that our children's ministries are so full on Sunday mornings that we have to hire a full-time person now to coordinate it and and schedule it. I'm, I'm excited about all those things. But my prayer, more than any of that, is for men and women who don't have to be talked into Christian service. People who don't have to be begged to take leadership. My prayer for folks who want to serve, who want to generate ideas, who want to think ahead, who just want to do what needs to be done. Not people who want to sit in the corner and complain with each other about what they think ain't getting done. While they're not doing anything. I don't like your plan, Pastor Don. Good, what's yours? Well, I don't have one. Well, I like mine better than yours. While you're busy complaining, I'm working. I'm working to the point that my wife has to call me and go, "Can can you just come home today? My prayer is that we're able to hear the Lord coming. So the Lord doesn't have to come on our life like some thief. That's not his heart. To push us to do what he's assigned us to do. Praise God for those who hear an inner alarm. It says, let's get going. Stand with me. My heart wants to be faithful. My soul desires a closer walk with God. Years from now... I've always, I've always said this, listen, I don't, I'm going to preach my own funeral because somebody just messed it up. (laughs) 
You put those dates on a stone when you put me in the ground, great. But there's something I want wrote on that stone for everyone who walks by and reads it. And it's Paul's words to King Agrippa. And Paul looked at King Agrippa and he said this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's it. That's what I want my life, that's what I want this church and this church's life to be about. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And say what you may, I, I, listen, I can be an honorary cuss. I can get in a bad mood. I can have a bad attitude. But let me tell you something. When God gives us vision... I'll also draw a sword. And I'll fight for it. And I'll fight for it. And I'll fight for it. And even more than any other things, I want this church to be faithful and diligent to the heavenly vision. I want to know the mind of Christ. And I don't want to have to have a fire alarm jolt me back into action. I think this church needs to be a church like Dr. King. Who simply said, I just, I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. Be faithful unto death. And I'll give you a crown of life. That's the promise of the Lord. And so if this has stirred you in any way to say, hey, our church has a vision... And God is calling me to take my spot in it, to, to take ownership. And if that just means taking out the church, I don't care. For years, my part of the vision of the church that I got born again in was to clean the toilets on Sunday morning. And y'all have heard me tell this story. I would get there. As Pastor Rick would say, this is your proving ground. And I want you to understand, I don't know about other churches in the county, but I know one thing. There wasn't another church in the county that had cleaner bathrooms. That's my wife. Got to go. I got to get there. He gave me a key to the building, not so that I could preach or play an instrument. He gave me a key to the building so I could clean the bathroom. And I saw that as an honor. Hello, somebody. I want, I, want, I want you to say if this message has touched you in any way, our vision, our vision, this ministry needs you. And if everybody puts their shoulder to the work, how much easy is the work? So, Father, here we are. Thank you for your presence. We thank you for this word to Sardis. We receive it as a word to us, God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that it's a word that isn't birthed in your heart through a need to complain. It is a word birthed in your heart to encourage us to not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. You have given us Sunday mornings as a celebration to what we have been doing and what you've been doing among us, God. We're, We're so thankful that Sunday mornings isn't about survival, but we're thriving to revival. So have your way, God, as we respond to your spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Sing this song with us. If you want to spend some time with the Lord, come on. Yes, he has. Come on, church.
greater things are yet to come. Yeah. 